everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Each week, we bring you insightful and encouraging information to help your homeschool family thrive. We're David and Leslie Nunnery, and we are thrilled to have you joining us here today. Now, many years ago, David and I were deeply impacted by a statement made in a Sunday school class we were attending. And it's been a driving force in the way we parented our children and in the way we speak and direct the ministry to families that God has given us. We've noticed through the years that every time we mention it, we get the same reaction from those who are hearing it as we had all those years ago. So we wanted to share that with you today and then talk about how it looked practically in our family through the years. Before we dive in though, I wanted to make sure that you know that we're less than one month away from our first big event of the season. And we are super excited to be going back to Round Rock, Texas this season, March 31st through April 2nd. We have an incredible lineup of speakers and resources arranged for that event, as well as an evening of real refreshment for moms with Rachel Carmen, a men's breakfast for dads sponsored by Trail Life, and teen and children's programs for your kiddos. I do hope you'll plan to join us there. You can see the full schedule, more details about the hotel, and more on our website. So go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events to get information about any of our upcoming live or virtual events. We cannot wait to see you there. Once again, go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash events to get your ticket now. So David, won't you take us back to that day when our world was rocked (laughs) by a simple (laughs) statement in our Sunday school class? (laughs) You make it sound like it's an earthquake. It was, you know what? It was incredibly impactful for me. And I know it was for you too, because you've said it so many times through the years. So this, this actually became kind of a foundation for the way that we parented. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was a time that uh, we were there early in the morning and we didn't have a regular Sunday school teacher. It was a pastor that came in to actually teach this class, the pastor that we would, we respect. Basically, uh, I don't remember anything else about what he was teaching, which is, I think, a good uh, lesson for pastors out there that it just takes like one sentence. One little nugget will resonate and live on indefinitely. That's right, because (laughs) that has had a ripple effect into everything that we've done since then. And basically, uh, what the pastor said is, is that you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. I think you should say that again. You, You Go ahead. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And that had a huge impact on us. And I think that when he said that, there was something about it that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And uh, it was early in the morning. You know, you can imagine drinking coffee there. You're in a little bit of a daze, but you're there because it's early in the morning. That statement really hit me. And what happened coming off that statement is it literally caused me to start thinking about what we were doing in terms of raising the kids yeah. just on a day-to-day basis, school, right. the choices that were, because we were not homeschooling No, at this, this point. was before we chose, we, we felt called to homeschool or we had at least listened to that call to homeschool. It actually, I mean, I can say that this statement, this one little statement is responsible for us homeschooling. Yeah. It, if it was not the reason it was a huge factor. In right, it. right. Well, and it definitely, it started so many conversations from that point forward 
about that, you know, you teach what you know, you reproduce who you are. We have talked about that and broken it down just as we are wading through different circumstances, different decisions, different everything that, that relates to our children uh, through the years so many times. Well, and I, I think that your your mind starts to run on that and it starts running into, uh, you go, okay, so if you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are, then you start thinking about all of the good things that you have, the good qualities that you have and the bad qualities yeah. that you have that you're reproducing in your ch children on yeah. a daily basis that you can't even help. Right. And that's one thing that you start thinking about. But the other thing that I started to think about, and the reason why it led to homeschooling for us is because I realized that if you reproduce who you are, then you don't want to have your children around you less. You right. want to have them around you more. And so we need to have every opportunity, take advantage of every opportunity that we have to actually breathe into our kids and actually be around them. Because in order to reproduce who you are, you have to be around them. Right. Right. And so we actually want that. Yeah. And well, what you teach is so much more powerful than who you are. And I think that um, that is a uh, uh, that is trouble that a lot of people, a lot of parents get into. There's maybe you are one person publicly, but you're a different person in home at home. Maybe you deal with one particular person one way. And then you deal with another particular person another way. Your parent, your kids start seeing the contradictions. Yeah. And so that's one aspect of this as well. And so it makes a huge difference when you start to realize that you reproduce who you are, but you teach what you know. Right. You start thinking about all these books, you know, that you start trying to teach your kids. You go, you're sending your kids to Sunday school. How, what kind of an impact is that going to have? Well, really, you have a much larger impact than what they're picking up from the teachers in Sunday school. I mean, you start going through all this stuff. And my mind was racing. This is what it was doing in the Sunday school class. As immediately when I heard this, it just took off. Uh, right, right. And and so to your point about homeschooling, you know, the, the teaching part of that statement, actually homeschooling is a phenomenal application of that. It really does lend a lot because if you are homeschooling, you have a lot more time to teach. The teaching part, though, actually is the easier of those two elements to try to deal with because the reproducing who you are should, as any parent that is listening to it, just as it did with us, it should sober you to your very core because you know that what you reproduce or what you want to see in your children, you have got to start working on in yourself first. So I, I thought it would be really, really instructive to kind of break down those two elements, starting with the easier of the two. So the teaching what you know, and then moving on into the more complex, the reproducing who you are. Because with the teaching what you know, like David noted, the time, the investment, the focus, um, all of that really lends to it. And homeschooling, again, is a great tool for that. But we also found that that just kind of switching that or flipping that switch on that you teach what you know made us really engage more in everyday circumstances of life. That the world is your classroom statement really became true because we were looking to teach and to give our kids a foundation for for what they believe, what they know to be true, how we want them to act, you know, what they will need in future days. 
all of that, we started really focusing in on how to make that part of our daily habit in just passing that knowledge on, teaching them as you walk, as you talk, like teach them diligently. Yeah. I don't think that the statement, it, it, the statement is not don't teach, you know, it's not don't teach. It is that reproducing who you are and looking at the reproduction part of that is a lot more powerful. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. You know, your daughter is going to learn what it means to have a guy love her based on the way that her father loved her and loved his and wife. loved his wife that's going to be a major impact it probably more powerful yeah. is how the father loved her and how the father loved the wife then if the father sits there and goes through and teaches the Bible all the way through on what a godly marriage looks yeah. like and what it means to actually find somebody that you're going to marry. It's much, much more powerful what the father does when it's connected to the daughter and what the father does and connected to the mom. Right. And that will speak volumes to her way beyond what you teach. And so the teaching can reinforce the reproduction, but typically it is not going to overwhelm it. No, not at all. And matter of fact, it will probably undermine what you're trying to teach because they're going to see, I mean, your kids are not dumb. They're going to see, they're much more perceptive. They're going to see what's going on and they're going to see these contradictions. Yeah. And they're going to pay very close attention to them. So that's just one of the examples. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, kind of going a little bit deeper in that. And I love, first of all, I just want to stop because I love the the example that you used. And I can imagine that every, um, every mom and dad, every woman, every man that was listening to that, that, that your, your daughter is going to look for a husband that loves her and, and, you know, based on what her daddy did, that is so powerful. And the same thing as moms, we are modeling for our sons the type of girl he should be looking for. That's sobering and that should get our attention. And with us now being kind of knocking on the door of our kids, you know, getting married and leaving the house, that's a very no, real not. thing. Okay, you can be in denial all at once. Um, but we, you know, our kids are getting older. We are getting close to that time, that season of life when they will be they will be flying the, the nest. And we want to be able to pass on to them a godly example of what family looks like, a godly example of what an, a Christian man and a Christian woman looks like, how they function. That's all part of what we have been trying to do for their entire lives. And so it it really was instructive to us because we realized if we were consistent or lacked self-control, what were we then going to be reproducing in our kids? How could we expect them to be consistent and self-controlled if all they saw from us was the opposite of that? If we were easily angered, we should expect to get that out of our kids. If if we're very self-focused, that's what we're modeling for our kids. That's the kind of thing that we're going to get out of them. And so we've got to take very seriously what we are modeling, what we are reproducing, and recognize that we can't expect them to be something that we are showing them or to not be something that we are showing them exactly how to be. Yes. I mean, and um, one of the places I went, I mean, right after this, I started reading the, the autobiography of uh, John Payton, and it wasn't connected initially but 
one of the big influences on John Payton, he is he is a uh, missionary that 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 went to Pacific Islands. Yeah. Okay. And we're talking 19th century. Um, he one of the the biggest impacts on him that he mentions on his relationship with the Lord and his desire to go into the mission field was when he he said in the morning when I would come downstairs I would hear my father praying mm-hmm. to God and he said his father would be in what he called a prayer room and the door would be just cracked open and he would be able to hear his father praying to God and that had an enormous yeah. impact on him now you think about that Peyton's father Probably spent time, discipleship, teaching his son the Bible. But the thing that made the largest impact on him was Peyton hearing his father praying to God. Which which Peyton himself, the son, was not directly involved in. That's right. He was just witnessing it. That's and, right. And recognizing the fact that this was a priority to his dad. This was something that he practiced day in and day so out. So if you want to... Pass on, and you want to urge your kids to have daily devotions. They have to see you having daily devotions, even in passing, right? And in just a very casual way. If they see it, yeah, then it, it makes an enormous impact, far beyond you leaning on them for them to have their devotions. And then you get into reading your Bible. How do you read your Bible? Well, the first thing they're going to go to is, Mom and Dad, how do you read right. your Bible? And, and how do you apply this to your life? Yeah. And when you come home from church, you know, how do you handle what you've just heard at church? Um, and, and what is their relationship? What is your, your, your kid's relationship supposed to be to the church? They're going to go to the parents and say, well, what is your relationship like with right. the church? I mean, you go on and on right, and on. Right. Well, and back to your, um, your point about if you want your children to be in God's word every day, one of the things, and I tell this story a lot, but it's it really makes your point very, very well. One of the things when the kids were really, really young that got impressed on my heart was that as I was, or after I was doing my, after I did my devotions, we would come and sit down at the kitchen table and I would share with them what God had shown me in my devotions. If David was home for breakfast, you know, he would participate in that as well. So we started talking to them first thing every morning about what God had shown us in our devotions when they were really, really young. Well, as that progressed, they got to where they were wanting to do their devotions. So they would color and tell me what their coloring sheet was or whatever it was that was age appropriate. What I didn't know and had would have never, ever imagined because God does things so far beyond what we would ask or think. But as we were, you know, kind of looking back, I prayed always that our kids would love God's word. Didn't even make the connection until years later when I was working on actually a prayer series that God was using all of those little simple ideas that he gave us by me modeling and David modeling every day that we were having our devotions and then talking about it. Here's what God did with that. Not only are our children very, very faithful in having their devotions every day because they grew up just assuming that that's what all Christians did because the only Christians that they lived with did that. So we were able to set their expectation of this is what a Christian does. They get in God's word every morning. But then beyond that, they are so comfortable talking about it because 
all through growing up, I would engage with them and ask them, what are you learning? After, like David alluded to, every Sunday after church around our lunch table, what did you learn in church today? What did God speak to you about? And we were just getting them talking about things of the Lord in a very safe and natural environment that then has made them incredibly bold. In fact, they put me to shame many times in the way that they talk about things of the Lord now. So um, that's just one example of how a prayer that we were praying, God make them love your word. God gave us a little hint of an idea that we had no idea of what the connection was. We did that and now looking back, we see how that was reproduced in them. And it is an amazing, amazing thing to behold. So, so my grandparents used to use the phrase all the time, teach what I know, but what was it? No, no, no. What, what was what was it? It was um, uh, uh, do as I say, not as there I you do. go. OK, sorry. It, it it doesn't work that way. No, it, never it doesn't works. work that way. It's and a I think funny it, little thing to throw around, but it is not a it, good idea. It does not work that way. And um, so your kids will um, and, and they will gather your your strengths and they will gather your weaknesses. And I think that we've seen that I've I've there's been times that I've gotten upset with my kids and I think, where did you get that from? And then I start thinking back to something that I did. Right. You know, and they they pick all this stuff up. I mean, they're around you all the time. Right. Right. You know? And so there's a level of this that it's just natural. This is the way things work. Well, you, you, you imitate. Right. And parenting is absolutely one of the most sanctifying things on the planet because like you were just noting, you see in Technicolor, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly about yourself as it comes out in your children. And so God can really use that to, to shape your direction and what you need to work on so that then you're able to reproduce it in your kids. Yes. And so I think that also just to shift gears a little bit, I think we should talk about just how powerful saying that you're sorry is yeah. to your kids. Because as we're talking about you reproduce who you are, but you teach, you know, teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Uh, there is this thought process of, oh man, I got to be perfect. And we all know that's good luck with that. Yeah, that's <laughs> impossible. And so, um, uh, you have to have the willingness to tell your kids, sorry, yeah. and not just every once in a while, yeah. you probably are going to be doing it a lot and you have to be willing to do that. And the Bible talks about not provoking your children to wrath. And one of the most powerful tools against not provoking wrath in your children is the willingness to tell them that you're sorry. And you can handle this in a way where you're not giving up your principle. You're not giving up the premise of what you're trying to do or what you're trying to teach your kids or whatever. You know, you don't have to give up your ground, right. I guess is what I'm right. saying. But you can say, look. This thing that I did that was kind of off to the side, maybe I got a little bit too upset and I yelled when I shouldn't have yelled at you out of anger, but what I was saying still holds, but I'm sorry for doing this. It right, was wrong. Right. And the other, you know, the, the other aspect of that is that it doesn't have to make sense, mm. meaning your kids could get angry at you. For ways, for things that don't even make sense to you. Right. I mean, you have to keep in mind they're kids. I mean, even they're 22 year, years old, they're still kids because they still have maturing to go. And they may not put things together the way you put them together. Right. 
it, things get twisted. Right. Well, and, and, you know, it is our job as parents to keep that line of communication open, to be very diligent. And sometimes the bridge that you need to build is through humbling yourself and apologizing and recognizing where you went wrong. Sometimes that is building a bridge, like when you were talking about when it doesn't even make sense what they're really upset about, but you want to make sure you you keep that line of communication open. Another thing, though, that is really instructive about saying you're sorry is a lot of times God will use your failures to teach your kids. You know, um, I define discipleship because I heard it somewhere um, in all of my sessions. Discipleship is leveraging what you've learned in Christ so that others can know him better and sooner and so on. And so I want to leverage everything that I have learned so that my kids don't make the same mistakes that I do. So we talk about our failures. We talk about the struggles that we have. We talk about what God is teaching us through his word so that we can use those times as instructive for the kids. Yes. And um, and that kind of doubles back to teaching what you know, because as you're learning it, you're passing it on. That's exactly right. So I, I, it, all this kind of works together, but you have to stay humble in order to be able to see some of these things. Right. Um, and if you're not, you know, and I think that we need to be able to give ourselves grace in some of these areas where we actually understand that we're not going to handle everything perfectly and be able to actually respond to that. Well, if you way. if you go into a situation with expectations of perfection, you are a going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. That's going to come out in the way that you interact with your children as well. And then you're just getting into inconsistencies and easily angered and all of the things that come out of being brittle because you're frustrated because you were supposed to be perfect, which is impossible. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of this spiral that we get ourselves into when we recognize that that. God didn't save us to be perfect. He saved us to be new creations. And as a new creation, I am constantly growing and changing and becoming more like my God. That is what I should strive for. And David, you even noted as we were talking about this, that throughout the New Testament, we see kind of our instructions as how to live wrapped up in attributes and things that are sourced in our God. Yeah, I mean, it. so God is characterized by the things that are the attributes that Christians should have, especially in the New Testament. So you have this scenario, for instance, in 1 John, where it talks about God is love. Well, you're supposed to love others. And this is an attribute. God is a source of these things. And so the connection there is, is that, you know, as Christian parents, you're trying to reproduce who you are. You have to actually have those attributes in yourself, and then you overflow onto your kids. Right. And so uh, it's something that we're not going to be perfect at. And I don't think there's an expectation to be perfect at this, but your kids are going to understand what love is by the way that you love them. Yep. And um, love others. I mean, we have others. a great opportunity to display love for other people through the way that we care for our neighbors, for the body, for people in our community, for people in our family and so on. So we are constantly modeling these attributes of God. So we are pointing through our actions to who we serve and who we are trying to become more like. And that ultimately is what we want to reproduce in our kids. Um, and I'm sure, you know, just as it's true for me and David, it is also true for you and your family. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this has been a help and an encouragement to you. Um, we, we have absolutely leaned back on this 
statement so many times through the years. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So hope you'll be mulling on that. We would love to hear from you as to, you know, what you think, what, what are some ideas that this sparked or what are some areas that we could be praying for you about? You can send us an email to office at teachthemdiligently.net or through the contact form on our website, we would just love to hear from you. Um, you can all, I mean, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with us through the app, through Instagram, so many ways. Um, but we would love to hear from you. Also, I encourage you, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, click the button and subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. We have two episodes that come out every week, and we would truly love to be able to just encourage and challenge you multiple times through the week to keep you focused and and doing what God has called you to do, but also to give you some really great educational information and um, society type information. We've got all kinds of stuff coming up for you. So subscribe to the podcast today. Be sure to make your plans to join us at an event because we would absolutely love to see you there to sit down and chat and hear your stories as well. So have a great rest of your day and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently, so we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events, and then throughout the year when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community. Check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.